Hello and welcome to the Seville Productions Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Rupert McConnick, founder and EP at Seville Productions. I'm delighted today to have Jabari Hearn, managing partner at AKQA LA, as a guest. Welcome, Jabari. How are you doing? I am doing amazingly. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. No, it's a pleasure. So just jumping in, Jabari, tell us a little about, about your background, where you grew up and your career uh, before AKQA and how you got into advertising, all that kind of good stuff. Sure. Um, if you can envision me now, I'm a 6'5", a uh, black male who played sports or uh, who grew up in Chicago. So if you know anything about a young kid, black kid from Chicago, you probably know my story. It's a kid who idolized Michael Jordan, who had posters of Nike posters all over my wall. So as a young kid, I, I always dreamt of, of working for Nike. So that was my dream as a young kid. I thought either I was going to be a basketball star working for Nike or a corporate person with a briefcase working for Nike. So grew up in Chicago, and that was my dream um, from there forth. I ended up getting a basketball scholarship to SMU, which is in Dallas, uh, and receiving uh, a degree in advertising from SMU. And that really shot me on my path of, of, of uh, trying to get to Nike. Luckily, I ended up working at Wyden and Kennedy fresh out of school and got to work on the Nike business, working on the brand Jordan business. Um, I worked on Tiger's retirement campaign, um, all some of the best stuff you can think of uh, early 98 to 2000. Um, and I learned marketing at that time frame uh, through that, through Wyden and Kennedy and through Nike. Propelled my way through a couple of ad agencies and finally found my way to Nike uh, probably when I was 30 years old and ended up spending a decade there um, finding my way from global roles to a North America roles leading uh, their NFL uh, acquisition and launch uh, all the way to leading the West Coast of North America living in Los Angeles. Uh, really responsible for the things on the ground, like running clubs and, you know, the um, Nike women's half marathon and basketball events in in South Central and those sort of things where you got to really touch the community. Um, But like all things, like, you know, people say, why did you ever leave Nike? You know, and I say, well, um, I loved college too for four years, but I didn't want to stay there forever, you know? And after a decade with, with Nike, I felt like I needed to diversify Remember, you, you, I'm a 6'5 black male who looks kind of like a basketball player. So when you combine that with a ton of sports and basketball career experience, I was worried I was starting to get pigeonholed into that athlete vibe. And I did not want that because I'm so much more than that, you know. And so at that time, we were launching a bunch of work. Um, working with Apple. We were trying to like become more digital at Nike. And so that's what got me interested in the tech world. So I knew then, all right, let's get out of there. Let's get out of sports and figure out tech. So went to Google, uh, launched the Pixel 2, the Google Pixel phone, uh, 2, 3, and 4. I decided I wanted to stay in tech. Uh, went over to be um, uh, VP of, of brand at Lyft uh, on my Literally on my day one, the CMO quit and I became co-CMO on day one. I got promoted the earliest, the fastest I've ever been promoted in my whole career, day one. Um, spent a couple of years there until the pandemic hit. 
Of course, rideshare in the pandemic did not get along well. <laughs> so uh, I found myself uh, trying to figure out what was next. And I wanted to really break the mold and try something new and ended up uh, working for Will Smith, which was a wild ride for two years, helping him you know, break into the digital space, um, really find his way on TikTok and Instagram reels and, and integrate that into his movie premieres and things like that. I launched um, his movie, King Richard. I launched his, his uh, television show, the remake of, of the French Prison Bel-Air, which was really amazing. And then for some reason, he decided he wanted to smack the heck out of Chris Rock. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, was about, I was about to ask about that. It's yeah. like the other room, right? I mean, it's sort of such a funny, it's, it's an extraordinary thing to do. It's just like, <laughs> what do you say? That's what we can do a whole podcast on that. What was the purpose? Of that? <laughs> and of course, my role at the time was to bring brands into partner with Will. And of course, that went straight in the garbage. So as that kind of folded up, I actually um, connected back with my old Nike peeps and said, you know what I want out of my life and my career where I am right now? I just want to work with great people. I want to have a boss who is a mentor. I want to have a leadership team who I respect. I want to have the, the founders that I respect. Uh, and that led me to AKQA. And I've been here now for a year uh, building the Los Angeles office. So I have to ask, <laughs> I hope this isn't rude, but you're six foot five, right? Which seems like a giant, but most basketball players are like, they're, they're getting taller, right? <laughs> a lot taller. Absolutely. You know, and I'm, I'm not getting any skinnier. So now when I walk in an airplane, they don't ask me if I'm a basketball player. They ask me if I'm a football player now, which is embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> it's been hilarious. So, so what, talking about AKQA, what brought you to your current position? What sets AKQA apart? You know, I, I've always wanted to innovate um, the agency world. When I was at the agency world, again, being a young black male, like there was no place for me. When I was at Widen Kennedy, um, I was the only black person in, uh, in the agency outside of the mailroom. Um, when I was in the agency world, I didn't have a seat at the table. Um, art was everything. There was no sort of digital thinking or, or um, data thinking in the process. There was not a great relationships with clients. Um, so when Tessa Argonis, who is our president at AKQA, told me that she was joining as president, I thought it was the perfect opportunity to like right the wrongs of the past, to innovate. You know, I feel like we have the smartest, most creative, strategic people in agencies, yet we hadn't turned our superpower on ourselves to innovate ourselves in the way the new world is. And I thought it was a great opportunity to do so. Wonderful. So. How do you define brand purpose? You know, you know I, it, obviously that's the name of the podcast. So kinda, I kind of kind of start there, really, before we start talking about it. Yeah. Because it's, it's one of those things, such a broad term, and everyone has a slightly different take on it. You know, I think about, I just, I'm a, you know, a simpleton, right? So when I think about brand purpose, I think, I don't think about what does a brand sell or who their consumer is. I think about what is the legacy that they're going to leave on this earth and with consumers. I think about what are we fighting for as a brand, right? And a lot of times you're going to, you know, of course we're trying to grow. Of course we're trying to get sales, but that is not a bigger purpose. And if all the people in the company left and we filled it back in with all new people, will that company still have a direction? That to me is a brand purpose. Um, and how does brand purposes play a part in your work? You know, I see a lot of work right now um, that has no purpose. <laughs> That's all about sell. 
Um, it's all about saying, you know, what I want to do. It's all about targeting. And I feel like brand purpose means that you have a soul, right? Um, if, if a brand can behave like a human, um, a human cannot have a purpose unless it has a soul, right? Um, it is it is drawn to something. It is something innate. It is something that can't be described. And I feel like a lot of our work right now, a lot of our brands have lost their soul because we've we're moved into performance marketing. We moved into heavy data. And, you know, I'm a basketball player. And when I think about soul and purpose, you know, um, the data, I believe, has led us to all all in the same play in the same areas. Um, I was looking at some data from a recent um, NBA chart and back in the eighties, when Michael Jordan played basketball players shot from all over the field. If you looked at the a shot chart, you would see that um, there's shots being made all over the basketball court today because of data. I just looked at a chart uh, from last year all of the shots that are being taken are either at the three-point line or in the paint. And that's because that's the highest percentage shot. So our data has led all the players to now move to where the highest percentage shots are. Um, and everybody's now shooting and playing the exact same game. So how does that add to any nuance? How does that add to any flavor? How does that, how do we think about the edges? How do we think about, you know, humans who are imperfect and, and don't make decisions based on rational things? Like that's where I think a brand can come to life. Instead of becoming robotic, it is actually living. It's, 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 it's living with its people. It's listening to its community. It's driving towards something with its consumers towards a better future that is bigger than the sales that it has. And so that's what I think we need to get back to is, is the nuance, the soul, and, and more soul and less sad. Yeah, I think that's true. Everyone has to be playing the niches, right? I mean, they're all like, you know, everyone jumps on the bandwagons, but they're not actually um, coming up with unique things a lot of the time. They're, they're kind of just playing the same game. Exactly. And that's a good point. So, so tell us about working at the intersection of media and marketing at Westbrook. I mean, you know, working with the biggest, probably, you know, one of the, two or three biggest stars in the world at the time when you started. And, you know, uh, how was that? How do you marry, you know, media, marketing, entertainment? How did that all work? You know, I really learned a lot at Westbrook around the, the true connection between entertainment, media, and marketing. Um, we had to work super closely with our media partners to really unlock any value for our brand partners. So in working with brands, Will would come up with short form or long form content. We'd find ways to have brands partner with his films like King Richard or Bel Air. But in working with the networks, they would not allow a lot of collaboration or partnership without media unlocking that that partnership. And so one of the biggest things we did at Westbrook was partner um, Samsung with Hulu um, and Westbrook to actually create our own show. And so instead of creating a commercial, we actually took the Samsung phone and created a concept where, where it was a video um, creation contest, almost like American Idol. It's a competition thing with uh, the BBH were involved, right? Is that the one? Exactly, exactly. Um, and we were able to now, with the same media budget and production budget that you would do to um, do a global you know, ad campaign, we actually created a, um, I think it was eight episode series. And we partnered with um, 
influencers as a part of that series. So now you have eight one hour episodes, tons of content. You have your own content that now you can wrap your ads around. Right. Um, And you have a clear point of view with your product front and center for a full hour. And now you also have content that then distributes out from your influencers and your host, which is a lot bigger um, impact than you would on your own in in just a regular media buy. Plus, if you're partnering with Hulu, you're able to get the homepage placement of your own film, which you can't even buy through a media buy. Um, Tell us about the Monday Night Mentorship Program you co-founded. Ah, Monday night mentorship. Oh, I'm glad you asked about that because that changed my life. Um, when I was working at Lyft, I, um, the pandemic hit and my boss asked me to cut costs. What that led to is a reduction of about 200 people all at once. And I had never laid off that many people in my entire life. I was depressed. I had to sit there with legal and HR and everyone was on a Zoom and I had to lay everybody off all at once. I I think I cried more than I ever cried um, that night. And I called one of my best friends and I was like, this is so sad. And I knew there was a lot of uh, news going around about how the pandemic was impacting people of color more than others. And so I sat with my best friend, who is now the CMO at the Houston Rockets, Julian Duncan. And I said, what are we going to do, man? Like, this is depressing. People are being hurt. They're being thrown out on the street um, with no jobs or prospects in a a pandemic. Like, we have to help people. And uh, we came up with the idea of office hours. And so I went on LinkedIn and I said, all right, guys, um, we're going to have an office hour office hours. On 5.30 every Monday. So if you need advice, mentorship, support, I'm here for you. I went to sleep, woke up the next morning, and I had 8,000 responses on my LinkedIn. Like people saying, I want to be a part of Monday night. I want to be a part. I can help. What can I do? I'm like, and I was overwhelmed. And so I picked a few people, uh, some of my friends who are um, CEOs, CMOs, and presidents. And I said, I need your help. And I created what we call the Board of Mentors. And we got on a Zoom every Monday and just started helping people, supporting people, answering questions, um, providing advice on um, finding new jobs, interviewing, um, updating your LinkedIn. And what we realized is that there's a lot of support for the young people, interns, young programs that get people into, into companies. There's a lot of support at the top level, coaching, you know, CEO networks, CMO networks. But there's a juicy middle where there's no support, no help. People are trying to you know, become managers. They're trying to move jobs. They're trying to update their resumes and there's no support for them. And so we decided to create a community called Monday Night Mentorship that was um, an accelerant for marketers of color, that we would be there to help them along their journey. We would be there to help them get new opportunities. We would tell them everything we could about our negotiations over my last 48 years so that they can advance that in their first or second jobs instead of hearing about negotiation tactics when I did at 48. And so um, we've been running for three years now. We have 4,000 people in our LinkedIn group. Um, We have people all over the country and globally, and it's the most impactful thing I've done in my life. Wonderful. Um, So what projects were you most proud of when working at Lyft? You know, when working at Lyft, we were all about... um, giving back to the community. We wanted to see the world without cars. And so one of the things I'm most excited about was a partnership with LeBron James. 
And what we did was um, we gave out free bike memberships in New York. What we found is that when a kid graduates from high school or turns 16 in New York City, most kids are excited about their license, right? And get their car and go driving and be on their own. Uh, some kids in cities don't get a license at 16, right? So how are they going to get to their job? How are they going to get around? How are they going to go see their buddies? And so what we did was partner with the city to give out um, thousands of bike memberships um, to underserved communities, to boys and girls clubs, so that they can actually get around. Mobility is success uh, in most life. Mobility is your access to good food. Mobility is access to good education. Mobility is access to good hospitals. Um, so that was one of the most impactful things I'd done. And being able to partner with somebody like LeBron James to get the get the work out there. And he's somebody who uh, grew up in Akron and rode his bike all around the city. Um, and was a big advocate for that work. Um, nobody really knew about it. We didn't do a big campaign about it, but the kids really felt it. Wonderful. And, and tell us about a client or a brand that, you know, approached marketing in an unexpected way or did the unexpected. That's always a good, good test for people. That is. You know, I think one of the most unexpected things I did was working for Google. Um, we were launching, I think it was the Pixel 3. And they were asking us to do a big television campaign and come up with concepts with our agency. And my team decided that we didn't want to go the traditional route and that we wanted to make sure that this was a really authentic and culturally relevant moment. So we decided to hire Childish Gambino, um, who was an artist and rapper. Um, he had a Grammy nominated song out that year. Um, this is America. And we decided to hand the reins over to him and said, look, you know, culture, you love um, what Google is doing in terms of the technology is put into our phone. He also loved we were doing AR stickers uh, launching with that phone. And so we said, you be the creative director. You come up with the concept. You tell us how you want to leverage our technology and we'll roll with your creative direction. Um, we never give the reins over to somebody wholly like that. Um, and, and amazingly, he came up with a really great concept. He was all in because of it. We paid him a, you know, a nominal fee for him to be the director, the creator, and the artist in the film because it turned out so well. And we gave him the reins. He gave us his new, um, music content for free to use in, in our, on our, um, on our avatar. Um, and then luckily we activated around the Grammys where he won a Grammy of that same song. So it was really working with an artist, giving them the power to tell their story and having the brand not try to push it on to influencers and artists. And you get so much more out of the partnership with an artist when you give them true partnerships and reins and agency in the story that you're telling versus you start with what you want to do and insert actor or actress. You know, you make them a partner, absolutely. That's that's pretty smart. Absolutely. So tell us about your role in the Marcus Graham project. Yeah, so I don't know if you've seen the movie Boomerang. Have you seen that movie? Years ago, well, the one with Halle Berry, that one. Yes. See, most people say with Eddie Murphy, but you're right. It was one with Halle Berry. <laughs> uh, yes, that movie um, shaped my life as a young person. I wanted to be Eddie Murphy in that movie. So, like, you didn't, you didn't want to be Grace Jones. You wanted to be uh, Eddie Murphy. Yeah, I didn't want to be Grace Jones in that movie. <laughs> but if you remember him, he was an advertising executive. 
He was uh, running his own agency. He was the boss of his agency. Everyone in the agency was black when he walked in. Um, he had an amazing office. He had an amazing um, uh, apartment with like a television that was a fish tank that could then turn into a fireplace. You know, he was married to Halle Berry. As a young kid, I'm like, this is the life I want to live. Like, And so when a program came up called the Marcus Graham Project, and that was the name of the character that Eddie Murphy played, uh, and I knew that it was a mentorship program, I said, how can I be involved? What can I do to support? I'll do anything. And that was really the first, um, you know, the first thing I'd done in the mentorship world. And they have a different program where they actually um, create summer programs for marketers to actually go into brands, get real projects and real experiences, and then hopefully get um, roles from those big brands coming out of it. So I'm on the board of that program. I've been on the board for the last oh, 10 years or so, and it's something I, I really love to support and it's grown uh, over over the last you know decade. Wonderful. And you, you seem like you, you love the mentor role. What, what advice would you give young people entering the marketing and advertising world? I'm not even sure what to call the world anymore. You know, the advice I've been, I've been giving people lately is, you know, I think our parents really messed us up. <laughs> And the way I say that is like my parents told me, Jabari, you can just go do anything. You can be anything. Go explore the world. You belong anywhere. And I went and did that. And um, what I learned is that I don't thrive in every environment. And I, I learned that I'm a very specific seed. And I want to share this. Like any plant, you have a ton of great plants in your house. I'm an apple tree. And if you envision an apple seed, right, um, and you envision the apple tree that it was born to become, you envision the one on the front of an apple juice box, right, with amazing hood, beautiful brown bark, big red juicy apples, right? But if I take that apple seed and I plant it in the desert, will it become what it was born to become? If I take that apple seed and I plant it in the rainforest, Will it become what it was born to become? The answer is no. It will become some version of itself, but not its true glory. So, yes, we can go and grow in many places, but we will never become what we were born to be unless we find the right environment with the right nutrients. Right. And so our real job is not to go explore the world. Our real job is to, one, understand what kind of seed we are and to understand that everything we need is inside of us already. And that our real job is to find that environment that nurtures us and brings that flower out of us because that flower is your work. That flower is your creativity. That flower is your expressions. And without that right nutrients, you will never flower fully. It makes complete sense. It's kind of like finding a tribe, right? I mean, that's what they say in England and stuff. Absolutely. And what's what's the campaign that you're about to launch or working on that you can talk about that you feel most proud of at the moment? Ooh, we're working on a really amazing campaign with Coke that I can't talk about. But what we, you know, our AKQA is known for combining art plus science plus soul. So what we're going to we're going to deliver for Coke is something that brings its brand to life in a really innovative way, in a way that can be embedded in all of its communications, all of its um, live experiences and everything that not only makes the visual cues of Coke come to life, but also the audio. 
So we're excited to launch that uh, next year. So Jabari, you've been a great guest, very educational, really fun to have on. Thank you. Um, and thank you very, very much for joining the podcast. You've been a wonderful guest. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Seville Productions Purpose Podcast. Learn more about Seville Productions and our work in the purpose and sponsored entertainment space at www.sevilleproductions.com.